Welcome back to another episode of the Creekside Podcast. Tune in each week with Drew and James to hear a relevant conversation about a biblical topic. Thanks for joining. Hey, welcome back. I'm James. I'm Drew. And this is the Creekside Podcast. We hope you guys are doing well. We're excited to be back for another episode of Creekside Podcast. Uh, we're a whole new be talking... season. Oh, that's right. A whole new season. Whole new season. Not just one episode. So, <laughs> last time you heard us, it was cold outside or hot. Now it's the other one, it's probably. just hot. And in ten- we're in Tennessee, so that will change in like 20 minutes, yeah. probably. So. Yeah, it's thundering and raining outside right now, and tomorrow it'll be nice and sunny. That's right. Yeah. Well, we're going to be talking about the Ten Commandments, uh, and I'm actually pretty excited about digging into this um, because I think that um, not only has culture through movies and stuff kind of made it cliche, uh, yeah. but I think that maybe we diminish the Ten Commandments sometimes just because of um, we think of it more of a Sunday school lesson. And I think that there's so much um, good that can come from the Ten Commandments. So I'm excited to dig into it yeah. and see it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good point. Um, w- our opinion of the Ten Commandments sometimes is reflected by what we un- who we understand God to be, or yeah. what we understand uh, what we understand God to be doing, uh, and given the Ten Commandments. So um, we want to just be mindful of the fact that our view of the Ten Commandments is a reflection of our view of who God is and what He's done and what He said too. And so that's why I think it's important. Um, if you were you know in the early church. They wanted to make sure that people who became Christians knew three things. The Apostles' Creed, which is the earliest statement that we have of like Christian doctrine, Christian belief. Right. The Lord's Prayer, which is how the Lord Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. And the Ten Commandments, those are like the big three. Those are the things that they wanted the earliest, you know, to, to teach you how to live a Christian life. They're going to teach you those three things. So the Lord's Prayer is going to teach you how to pray, like the way that you should communicate with God. The Apostles' Creed is going to teach you what to believe, like what specific things the church holds true about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Ten Commandments really is ethics, like how you should live, like what it looks like to live um, in God's world. So to to kind of set the set the stage for the conversation, the Ten Commandments don't pop out like in a vacuum. Like it's not like one day they're just published and everybody reads them. They're actually a part of the story and the history of redemption. And so the Ten Commandments are given to us at a point where God has worked in a dramatic fashion to free his people from slavery um, from Egypt. And so just to just to walk through the story at kind of like a 30,000-foot level, um, starting in Genesis, you know, you got Genesis 1, God creates the world. That's an important thing to understand about the Ten Commandments um, is that it comes from the Creator, it's not just something that like guys got together in a room and, and thought up, hey, these are good ideas that we should have. It comes from a creator, the guy who, the, the, the being who created the, the world, to, who should de- determine and decide how it should be run. He also created human beings, um, so he should be the one who orders how human beings live. And then Genesis 3, human beings rebel against God's good rules, God, God's good authority. And so the Ten Commandments, um, not present in Genesis chapter 3, but we even see from Genesis 3 that God uh, gives laws and gives rules for the good of his people, and that when those rules are not abided by, it actually turns out poorly for them. Mm-hmm. You got Genesis 3, um, Adam you know, falls, all of us fall in Adam, is what the Scripture teaches. Coming to Abraham, uh, we have God creating a new people uh, the nation of Israel through Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Fast forward through Genesis at a lightning, lightning fast pace. Uh, we wind up in Egypt, and there in, at the end of Genesis 50, 
Israel is in Egypt, and they are being cared for by God's provision through Joseph and through the proceedings there that they are able to be fed, and the, the people multiply, and they become great. Fast, fast forward into Exodus, the people are enslaved, and that's mm-hmm. where we see um, the, the people of God enslaved there in Egypt under Pharaoh, under his harsh rule. What we see, and I think this is important, is that the people of God are enslaved under Pharaoh, and Pharaoh has very specific rules for the people. But the rules that Pharaoh gives to the people don't cause them to be flourished, or don't don't cause them to flourish, right. and don't cause God to be worshipped. Mm-hmm. But they still live with rules. And I think that's an important thing to, under, to understand. If you reject the Ten Commandments you're still going to be under something else. As much you might say, hey, there's no rules, like I don't want I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Well, there's always going to be That's someone telling you what yeah. to do. The question is, is it going to be the creator or is it going to be something lesser and by default something worse? So God sees his people in Egypt. He delivers them miraculously through the through the plagues of Egypt, showing that he is more powerful than all of the gods of Egypt. He's more powerful than Pharaoh. He crushes Pharaoh. He throws Pharaoh into the Red Sea. Uh, the Red Sea closes up, and the people walk across the Red Sea as if on dry land to the other side, and they sing and they rejoice because they've been delivered. And it's in that context that the Ten Commandments are given. Mm-hmm. So that changes everything. Because if you walk up to someone on the street and you say, hey, how do you, how do you get to heaven? What do you expect they're going to tell you? Go to church. Go to church. <laughs> or the devil will get you. Or the devil will get you. They're going to say something like, oh, I, you got to keep the Ten Commandments. Right. You know, if I keep the Ten Commandments, then that means I'm a pretty good person. Right. And that means that God will save me. But if you actually look in Exodus, God doesn't save his people because they obeyed the Ten Commandments. Right. He actually gives the Ten Commandments to his people after they have been delivered and after they have been saved. And so I just think that's such an important thing for us to consider. Because when we break the Ten Commandments, um, we, we, we feel guilty, and we should. Yeah. But the guilt should not drive us to despair, but it should drive us to the Lord Jesus Christ. It should drive us to uh, the one who was pierced so that we might be forgiven, the one who was crushed for our iniquities and for our sins. Um, that Jesus kept the Ten Commandments perfectly so that whenever you and I don't, um, we can run back to him and that his his righteousness can cover us. That being said, it's not as if we say, okay, the Ten Commandments are here. Well, Jesus kept the Ten Commandments, so I don't have to. I can go do whatever I want. Mm. That's also you know, a terrible way to understand what the Bible is actually taught. No, the Bible teaches that because we have been redeemed, we should desire to keep the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Any thoughts or comments on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Those are, those are great points. And Coming out of uh, Egypt, these people, again, have been under such a, a harsh reign, and now they're learning of this new reign. What an amazing foreshadowing of the mm-hmm. grace of God uh, through the death of Christ, that we had been under this this sin, we've been under all of this, and now that through grace, we have this freedom. That's right. Yeah, and, and freedom doesn't look like freedom from rules. No. Freedom looks like freedom to obey. Exactly. Uh, you know, to obey the one who has redeemed us. And so all that in mind, I want to talk about commandment number one, um, which is there in Genesis chapter 20. It's important to note the Ten Commandments all come as a um, as a bundle, you know, so we can isolate them and say, yes, there are. we can clearly see there are ten of them here, mm-hmm. um, but they do all come as a bundle. Um, and so we should take them, take them on the whole. Um, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 20, here, here's the first commandment. It says, And God spoke all these words, 
saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That's the prologue or the preamble to the Ten Commandments. So you see that there. The Ten Commandments don't make sense unless we understand them covenantally, that mm-hmm. God has created, a, has made a covenant with his people. He has up, upheld his end of the bargain, and now he is speaking to his people to tell them, this is who I am. This right. is what I've done for you. This is what I. This is now the way I desire you to live before me. And the first commandment we're going to talk about today uh, is, "You shall have no other gods before me." Mm-hmm. It's a it's a pretty short statement, but it has dramatic implications. Um, the, when we talk about the Ten Commandments, uh, a lot of times we'll talk about them in two tables: the two tables of the law. The first table being the first four commandments that have to do with our uh, duty to the Lord. And the second, the sixth commandments, the second table, our duty to our fellow man or to, the, to the, our fellow Christian, our fellow believer. Um, and so when we think about the, the first four, this is the primary command that God gives to his people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Here's what you should do. You shall have no other gods before me. Um, and in order to think about that, um, instead of reinventing the wheel, um, I've got here in my hands a copy of the Heidelberg Catechism. Um, and the Heidelberg Catechism is essentially a way for um, pastors and ministers and parents uh, to instruct the people in their care. Um, and it's a series of questions and answers. And so it starts from the starts from the very beginning, asks all these questions about the Christian life, but it asks these questions about the Lord's uh, about the uh, the Lord's commandments here. Um, and so the first, the qu- I asked question 94 here of the, um, of the Heidelberg Catechism. The question is, what does God require in the first commandment? And the answer is, I think, really, really telling. The answer to that, that on the peril of my soul's salvation, I avoid and flee all idolatry, sorcery, enchantments, invocations of saints or other creatures, and that I rightly acknowledge the only true God, trust in him alone, with all humility and patience, expect all good from him only, and love, fear, and honor him with my whole heart, so as rather to renounce all creatures than do the least thing against his will. Mm-hmm. That's a really beautiful way of, of saying that and of stating that. Um, he, he mentions that it's because of my, my soul has been saved, because I have been bought, because I have been redeemed by the Lord, that I should obey him. And he uses this catch-all term that he should flee all idolatry. And so that's that's what the first um, the first commandment is about, that we should that we should cherish the Lord above all other things. Now the idols that he mentions are sorcery, enchantments, and the invocations of saints or other creatures. Now, uh, this is this is written in a time where, uh, during the Reformation, the Heidelberg Catechism was written during the Reformation about 500 years ago, where there's a lot of disagreement amongst Protestants and Catholics about um, how this should be how this should be dealt. And so, what he's saying here is that people who pray to the saints are actually guilty of breaking the first commandment, wow. which is which is a pretty is a pretty big charge. Yeah. Um, now, for us in our kind of context, I mean, if you're if you're a Catholic uh, watching this, you know, I hope you know the Lord Jesus Christ, and I hope you know what the what your church teaches, uh, because it does teach some things that uh, I have some problems squaring with what the Scripture teaches, uh, holding to the the, the true teaching uh, of the Word of God. That being said, we're going to have different um, different applications probably of this. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's certainly still idolatry in our world. 
But our idolatry doesn't often um, stem from sorcery or enchantments necessarily. I mean, there's obviously people who do practice uh, witchcraft, uh, do people who do practice those kinds of things. Um, But our idols are very different. Um, Our idols often come in the form of, you know, good things Mm -hmm. that are misplaced. Um, And so our idols oftentimes look more like wealth or or power or um, prestige. You know, we often use the the terminology of, um, you know, uh, media, social media, technology, those kinds of things can easily become idols for the people of God in that not that we desire or bow down or worship them in the same way, but in that we give more attention to those things or give more reverence to those things than we do to the Lord. Um, uh, you know, I, I just think I think something we got to be mindful of that we acknowledge the Lord and Him alone. Uh, he says here in the, catech- the Catechism, says, I rightly acknowledge the only true God, and I trust in Him alone. This, this is an important distinction, that it's not that I trust in God and my capacity to provide for myself. I trust in God and my own intellect. I trust in God and my own power or my own abilities. No, I trust in the Lord and in Him alone. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a humbling thing, and it's it's got to be a humbling thing if we're going to take take the first command seriously, because it is the Lord who has delivered us. It is not we who have delivered ourselves. Yeah. You got any thoughts on that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I you know personally, and I think I've shared this before in past uh, podcasts is like. For me, my career, my money, right? Trying mm-hmm. to financially provide for my family has always been hard to balance that uh, doing doing my job to the best of my ability versus when I wake up in the morning, is the first thing I check my email mm-hmm. or is the first thing I do pray and do my devotional, yeah. you know? Um, and I think in those small ways, uh, especially over uh, periods of times, that can become an idol. Yeah. Um, just something, again, something as small as what we would think of as like just checking my emails every single day, you know, and getting obsessed with that versus getting obsessed and overwhelmed with Christ. And I've just, I'm reminded even this morning I was, I sat down to read my Bible and to pray and I have a journal that I write my prayers in and then I write prayer requests in. And we, I, one of the things I tried to do at our church is I tried to pray through every person in our church directory. Um, And so I'll take a last name, and I'll pray for everybody with a like last name starting with D or something, or last name starting with F or whatever it is. Um, and I'll pray for those individuals. And a lot of times I'll I'll text them or I'll yeah. send them an, a message and say, "Hey, I'm praying for you. What can I pray for you about?" And even this morning, I was reminded I have the church directory on my phone, so I got my Bible open here and I've got my journal open here and I've got the church directory open on my phone here. And then all of a sudden, my Twitter app was open. I don't know how I got opened on my phone, and I was sitting there reading about all kinds of stuff that was distracting me um, from what I'm what I'm there to be doing, which is yeah. to be praying. Now, um, not to say that, you know, I think it's really helpful to have the church directory on my phone, and that's a good right. thing, but the inclination of my heart is always to give these give attention, to give um, even maybe a little bit of trust into these other things. Am I going to be more well-prepared for my day by spending 10 minutes reading the news feed of whatever, you know, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, social media, or am I going to be better prepared for my day spending 10 minutes communing with the creator of the universe? Amen. That's kind of the that's kind of the push here of Genesis or of uh, Exodus 20 verse uh, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. Do you trust me and do you trust me alone? Because um, the first question of the Heidelberg Catechism is well known, um, which is uh, something I reference often. 
What is your only comfort in life and in death? The answer, that I with my body and soul, both in life and in death, and not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That's wonderful. The, the first commandment questions, do we really believe that's true? You say it's true. You might know it's true as an intellectual point. Do you really believe that's true, that you're going to worship the Lord and Him alone, have no other gods before Him? Now, the Israelites, they're about to walk from Mount Sinai into a pagan land, and the, the goal of the, you know, um, the next couple books of the, of the Bible is that they would cleanse that pagan land of the worship of other gods, that they would cast down the Baals uh, of, of the people, that they would cast, cast down all of the false gods of the people who lived there. They would worship the Lord and the Lord truly. But there is a, there's a real desire for the people to worship those other gods because they, 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 it seems to pro- promise something or mm-hmm. it seems to profit something for them. Well, we're probably not terribly tempted to worship Baal. You know, right. we're probably not terribly tempted to worship um, these other false deities. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't meet people very often who are like, I'm really tempted to be a Hindu. You know, just like <laughs> I'm really struggling. Pray for me. I'm really struggling with Hinduism. You know, not that I don't, I know people who are practicing Hindus, but that's not the temptation for, for, um, for Christians a lot of, a lot of the time. Right. Does that mean we don't have a temptation towards idolatry? Not at all. We mm-hmm. certainly do. So the next question of the catechism here, question 95, says, what is idolatry? The answer, it is instead of the one true God who has revealed himself in his word, or along with the same, to conceive or have something else on which to place our trust. And I love that definition because it's very broad, very general, but super applicable. All right, so... There is the one true God, and he has revealed himself in his word. That How we know God and how we know what God expects us to do is because he has given us his word. Yeah. Do we trust the word of God, or do we trust our own feelings, our, the way that we conceive that the world should be ordered? Um, or do, you know, or do, do we trust the Lord, or do, is there something else in which we place our trust, in which we place our, um, our comfort, our, our hope? You know, I, again, a lot of people aren't going to struggle with idolatry in the same way that the Israelites would have in uh, Genesis or in Exodus chapter twenty. But we struggle with idolatry every single day, and yeah. so a question I always like to ask is: Is this a command that I've broken? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it a command that you've broken? Absolutely. And if you don't think you've broken this commandment, you don't understand how inclined towards sin and how inclined towards unbelief your heart really is. Right. Because we will take the smallest thing and we will turn it into an idol. Yeah. Um, re- re- one of the reformers is, is noted for saying that um, our the heart is a perpetual factory of idols. That we are the heart of man is constantly producing different things that we might worship. Uh, and so it's something we have to guard against. How might we guard against something like worshiping false gods? By worship, it's by worshiping the one true God. It's by yeah. coming to His Word, by reading it, it's by meditating on it, it's by being overwhelmed and consumed with this is the God who has created me and who has saved me. Every part of me belongs to Him. Every yeah. part of my uh, of my being, all of my talents, all of my energy, it all belongs to Him. And we understand that there's one person who never broke this commandment, you know, and that's that's Christ. And so we, when we realize we've broken this command, we turn to the Lord by turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
uh, by, by looking at his finished work on the cross, by confessing where we've broken this commandment, and by trusting in his righteousness on our behalf. You got any yeah. thoughts on that? When we think of our relationship with God, and he uses our uh, Christ in the church as, as a marriage, um, sure. you know, when we look at our relationship in that viewpoint, and we see us as the bride of Christ, you know, it's more difficult for me to want, like, I don't see myself wanting to cheat on my wife, sure. right? And I think that's the way that we view, oh, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put something before God. But how many times do in my even in my relationship with my wife, there's something that comes up and I'm like, "Hey, I don't have time for you. Oh, I don't have time for you. I don't have time." Until the, the point I'm like, "Oh man, we haven't been on a date night." Sure. And you know, or you know, here we are on our 12th anniversary, we need to go somewhere, you know. Yeah. Um and so I think the same thing happens with God is we just we get these things in front of him and in front of him. And sometimes I think that Satan uses the things that are for good like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And we think, oh, well, I'm actually doing this for the good, and so it's really what God wants me to do, and it, uh, making excuses for why we can make those things uh, an idol. Yeah, and I think I think that's a good analogy there, James. I think, and it's one of the Scripture uses, that we are the, the church is the bride of Christ. And so when we think about this in terms of spiritual adultery, mm. uh, I think it makes, it makes the, it, it kind of, makes it a little bit of a hotter fire, if yeah. you will, uh, that we understand, no, the stakes here are are pretty serious. I mean, the Catechism says um, that we obey the first commandment. What is, what is the language here? On the peril of my soul's salvation. Yeah. You know, not that we're saved because we keep the commandment, um, but we need to understand that if we are not mindful of our own hearts, that our souls will wither and waste away, that we're, we'll be, we, we, will, we do commit and we will commit spiritual adultery. And right. so um, our, my, your relationship with your wife is your most important human relationship, right? My relationship with my wife is my most important human relationship. And we need to understand that as important as that relationship is, it doesn't even compare no, to no. our relationship with the Lord. That's so much more important. Yeah. Right? It's, it's a, a, such a higher priority. So if we're willing to do certain things to protect our marriage from, you know, uh, from in, any kind of impurity, from any kind of unfaithfulness, how much more should we protect our relationship with the Lord, seek to run to the Lord for refuge that we might um, be faithful to Him and Him alone, that we might worship Him and Him alone. And it's not because of the rules that I don't break my covenant with my wife. It's because of my love that I don't break the covenant with my wife. Same thing with God. That's right. You know, people say, oh, I don't don't like like religion because it's just a bunch of rules. And it's like, man, my marriage Mm -hmm. has so many rules. Like, I had to go to the courthouse and get a marriage certificate and get somebody who was authorized to sign it just so I could be married, you know? And I'd do it all again a hundred times over because the relationship is not founded upon um, how well I keep the rules, you know? Um, They're agreed upon, you know, I always say, like, there there are just rules for living in my family. You know, there are rules that come along with that. And they're rules I have to obey. The rules my wife has to obey, um, but not out of this kind of stern, uh, like schoolmaster obedience. Like obey this, or you're, you know, you're going to really get in trouble. No, if if you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. Yeah, where our our foundation for the Lord is built upon, our foundation for obedience to the Lord is not built upon meriting our salvation, but because someone else has already saved us. Yeah. it's because the Lord has, has saved us from sin. Um, and I, I just think that's such an, such an important distinction. Uh, in the, in the Catechism, um, it's important to note, it's divided up into three sections. Um, the first section dealing with guilt. 
and the fact that we will never come to the Lord until we feel guilty for our sin. And so we want, we need the burden of the law to feel heavy upon our backs so that we will understand the crimes that we've committed against the Lord, the yeah. sins that we've committed against. We, we, ha- we, we should feel guilty for our sins. So if you feel guilty for your sins today, the, the goal of that is not that you wallow in your guilt, but that you run to the Lord, mm-hmm. that you might have the burden taken off of your back. So we, we have to feel guilty. The second part is about God's grace and how God mediates his grace to us. But the third part is about thankfulness. Uh, and the Ten Commandments actually fall under the category of thankfulness, not under the part of guilt, mm. not under the part of duty, but as gratitude for what the Lord has done, we desire to live in this way. Yeah. And I think that's that thing that makes all the difference in the world. I'm not I'm not looking at the first commandment and saying, God, look, God won't let me worship. What kind of God you know won't let me worship anybody else? What a right. silly thing, what a silly rule. No, I'm saying this is the one who has saved me. Yeah. Whatever he commands me to do. I'm willing to do whatever he desires, however he desires for me to live, I'm willing to live. And if we come with that posture, we find the Ten Commandments to be an expression of grace, an expression of thankfulness, not a burden that's laid upon our back. Yeah, absolutely. I think perception is reality, you know, mm-hmm. the way you think about things. And so uh, just a quick example, uh, last night we had a new sub to put under the stage. And to, to the folks at home, what what is a sub? <laughs> sub. We, I'm thinking teacher. I'm thinking sandwich. You know, like what, what are we talking so about? So a subwoofer. It it goes uh it goes in the stage and it gives you the nice big boom that you feel when you're listening to music or having a speaker. So gotcha. Uh, yeah. So we're putting a new one in 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 our stage here at the church. Uh, but the stage is only so tall, and so to get the wire from one end to the other was near impossible for me to crawl through. And so my son is five years old, and he's perfect size to get down through there. Now, my son, you got to know, it's the 21st century. He would much rather be watching YouTube or playing a video game than crawling under a stage. And so I had to uh, get him to help me with this, obviously. And the way I approached him was, this is going to be so much fun. And you're going to get to crawl through this little narrow hole. Check this out. This is going to be a lot of fun. And he actually really enjoyed doing it. And I think sometimes we approach... The Ten Commandments with this, ah, oh, it's right. a rule follow. It's something I have to do. It's work. But I think if we approach it, looking at it through what like we've been talking about today, yeah. that God has saved us right. so that we can follow these rules. Who, who do you want to who do who do you want to make your rules? You want Pharaoh to make your rules? That's it. You want to live in slavery, or do you want God to make your rules? Because everybody's gonna have to you're gonna live with rules, whether you whether you like it or not. Like it or not. And it's far better to accept like God's Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So yeah. the the command to not worship any other gods is not a restriction. It's mm-hmm. actually a grace. Uh, that we hey, we have every freedom to worship mm-hmm. the Lord and to worship him alone and to not care about this uh, you know, all of the other things that the world values because our hope is in him and him alone. That's right. This has been a wonderful episode. I can't wait to get to the other commandments and, and dig into yeah. them. Uh, to, to, for a resource here, um, there's, a, there's a great book I've got a copy of. Um, it's by Kevin DeYoung, who's one of my favorite preachers, uh, pastors at a church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, it's called The Ten Commandments. It's by Crossway, and he does, he does a, a, a short little dive into each of the commandments uh, and just talks about the, the importance uh, of them and, and some of the applications of it. So recommend this to you. Um, it's a short book. It's only a, a little over 100 pages, I think. Um, let me flip to the back here. It's got a study guide in the back. I wasn't even aware of that. Um, so 173 pages, you know, something you can read through. You know, take a, 
Uh, take a week, read a chapter, meditate on it, see how it applies to your life. But really good resource, want to recommend, Screen Book, uh, Ten Commandments by Kevin DeYoung. And he, the question on the back is, are the Ten Commandments still relevant today? Yes. What do you think, James? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Any other final thoughts? Uh, worship the Lord and worship Him alone. That's it. That's it. Awesome. All right. Well, guys, we are excited to be bringing this to you, and we're excited that you've made it a part of your daily routine to just come in and check out. I don't think the, it's a daily well, routine, Well, weekly, whenever it comes out. <laughs> a semi-regular routine. Semi-routine. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for making it part of your day-to-day. How about that? I, well, I'll take that. That's better? Sure. Okay. I'm just wondering when we're going to get subs. That's what I'm wondering. Oh, sandwiches. In, sub sandwiches. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time right here on Creekside Podcast.